Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture today is taken from the second chapter of the letter to the Hebrews, beginning with the first verse and extending to the end of the chapter. Therefore, we must pay the closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For if the message declared by angels was valid, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard Him. While God also bore witnesses by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His own will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou carest for him? Thou didst make him for a little while lower than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for every one. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have all one origin. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation I will praise thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I, and the children of God, and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same nature, that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong bondage. For surely it is not with angels that he is concerned, but with the descendants of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make expiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered and been tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. And the writers of the scripture this morning, as we found in God's holy word, said in the 13th verse, I will put my trust in him. I will put my trust in him. You know, as I read the writer here in the book of Hebrews, try to understand what he was saying, and more perfectly try to enter into what he was sensing, and what he was feeling, and what he was seeing at the time, I would guess that he is somewhat uh, like we are today, not too far removed from it. We sort of have a religion, sort of like a finance company. We talk about uh, religion, and we talk a really a fantastic religion, really, 
It's a pity that we don't believe what we really say and what we really talk about. But if we did, it would certainly be a fantastic situation for you, for me, for the church, and for everyone else that we've come in contact with. But you know, it's sad but true that we do not uh, possess all the things that we say that we do. I suppose if the finance company would uh, all of a sudden decide that they were going to take back what they had an interest in in our life, that uh, some of us would be without a home, a few of us would be walking, and perhaps a few of us would uh, not have too many clothes on this morning. And we would certainly look proud, in all probability, destitute and poverty-stricken. I can't help but think that this is what this writer was tied up in. You see, he had in his mind the thing that all of us have in our mind when we talk about uh, what God intended and talk about God and talk about our relationship with God. You see, this man could see very clearly here, three things stand out so very beautifully here in this chapter. In fact, the whole book of Hebrews could be written around these three uh, points. But in this chapter here, you see, he recognized that there is a state of man, the literal state of man as he is today, and then there is that state of man that God intended for him to be. And now this is a thing that filled him full of frustration and caused him his most uh, difficult time. It was what he was able to see and what God intended and then what he looked at when he looked at man and saw what he was tied up in. And he goes back into the Old Testament and he picks up a question there that the psalmist asked. I think it's in the 8th Psalm. I'm not quite sure this writer knew. He didn't put it in there. He said somewhere it is written. Well, I think it's the 8th chapter. Anyway, you remember the psalmist, a man long ago, asked the question, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And this man picks up the same question and begins to try to, uh, to analyze it and try to answer it for himself. And beloved, let me say to you, it seems like a simple question. It's a common one in that it's one that uh, we are familiar with from our youth up. But oh, what a fantastic question it is. And one that uh, needs to be answered by you, that you need to answer for yourself. You see, the beautiful thing about uh, this writer is uh, that, and I hope that I am in the same position that he is uh, emotionally and mentally and spiritually, that he's not only thinking in terms of the question to be answered for those that uh, listen to him and that will read what he's got to say, uh, but he is dealing with it within his own soul and reminding himself again uh, about the realities of God and about the realities of life. You know, beloved, it will not do us any good if we come to the place where we think, well, now the Scripture is speaking to someone else. Now, this is for another person, not me. Well, beloved, this scripture is for you, and this is for me. We need to answer this question the way we answer this question. is going to have a great deal to say about our total panorama of life that we're involved in. Because, you see, we come to the place, the way we answer this question, maybe we don't formalize the words, but we come to the place you can tell by our actions and the way that we go about things that, uh, that we think of man as being uh, on the level of the animal kingdom. In fact, uh, we think that he is an animal, but uh, maybe just a high order of an animal. Well, that might be so. Uh, but I would doubt it uh, really. 
You see, when we come to the place where we get this concept within these minds of ours, we begin to treat one another with less than the respect that we ought to of being the creation of God. When we lose sight of the fact that we are the creation of God, we begin to do things to ourselves and act in such a way and to other people that's not either right and not good in the sight of God. You see, it is a possibility for a man sort of to act like an animal. In fact, we speak of some people acting like an animal. But let us understand that can only be an action, beloved. Because no man, no person that God has created can ever be at all or an animal. They cannot be. We may look at them and think that they're acting like one, but they cannot be. This cannot be. Because God did not do uh, in his creation such a thing. We look at uh, man and we think about his basic drives of life and conclude that this is a sum total of man, that uh, he is after power and security. And these drives uh, of life, uh, that uh, uh, wanting to, th this power uh, and these drives as being the sum total of man, whether it be a desire for, for power, whether it be a desire for sex, and we think, look at man, and we conclude that, uh, well, this might be the sum total of man that we're, we're dealing with. We see within man an incredible selfishness, a desire to think of self. And we think that this is the only thing that man can think about. And if we come to the place where we think that this is the sum total of man, our beloved, it shows in the way we treat one another in our conduct. It shows in our acts shows in how we talk to one another. It shows in how we spend our money and how we make our money. You see, the degradation of man doesn't start down here or out there somewhere. It starts right here within your mind. The way you think and the concept that you have of man and of life. Now this is what this man, uh, the, his wisdom staggers me. Because you would think, uh, looking at it, that this is hot off the press by some learned man of our age and our day. Uh, but uh, it starts right here. Uh, not out there somewhere. And we need to come to the place to see what God has done in relation to each one of us. Because if we do not do this, and we let this slip from our mind, we begin to use one another and we think of one another as being able to be bought and sold. Only a thing to be used and to be used in a selfish way for my own betterment or my own good or my own enjoyment and for my own peace of mind. Now when this man looked at his society he saw basically precisely what do you and I see today within our society. Not only was he able to see this within his society, but I am, I am sure that this man saw the own tendencies within his own being. Oh, he couldn't have written in this way unless he was touched at the very pit of his being, his soul. He was conscious of the fact within him how easy it would be to let these things slip from us and from his own heart and soul and be caught up in the things of the world. And began to live like the world lives. Now he was able to see this fact. He, he was able to see the actual state of man. 
Well, beloved, listen, we're not going to get anywhere until you come to the place where you're conscious of your state, whether it be good or bad. Now when you come conscious of your true state where you are, you are in a position to do something about it. And you're never in a position to do anything about it until you come to that place where you're able to see the reality, the actual state of your being. And now he moves a step away or higher up the scale and reminds himself of some awesome facts that you and I need to be reminded of again and again and again. And that is that man is a creature of amazing dignity. He had no illusions about the fact that that man was the creation of God. He had no illusions about the fact that not only was man uh, the one that God had created, but he had given him a position above even the angels. He had given him a position of power and authority over all of creation. That God did not give to man just a small place, but he gave to him the greatest place that he has in all of his creation. To have power and authority over it all. Able to do some awesome things. To build cities, to build a nation, to prolong life, to conquer space, and do all the other things that man is doing and is going to be involved in in the future. Nothing has been left out in God's nature and God's plan for man to be less than anything that he has created. Man stands at the top of the list of all that God has created. Man has the awesome ability and the awesome power to be able to listen to God. He has the awesome ability to be able to talk to God. He has the awesome ability and capability to be able to sense uh, the presence of God. He has the ability and capability to be able to see the hand of God in, in living reality within his life and the life of his people. What an awesome thing that is. And yet, the start Naked truth is, the tragedy of man, though he is endowed with such knowledge, that he takes this knowledge, in many cases, to invent instruments of destruction, created to be free, and yet he chooses to be a slave. Created in the image of God to walk upright, with all the power and the prestige of a living God, and yet he would rather consort with the devil. He is to be the master of all things, of everything. And it's interesting to note what this man pulls in for us to think about. He has even freed him from the most fearsome of all things that man is afraid of, and that's death. You are more than death. He goes to no end to point out to the fact that God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, has delivered us from the awesome fear that is at the base of every human heart and soul, and that is the fear of death. But this has no more hold on you. And because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did, he died, came back from death in order that you might be able to live evermore. Do you see what this man was thinking? And I think he would agree. The modern psychologists and psychiatrists would agree with this man 100% today. 
And that is much of our friends that going and coming and doing, going from sun up to sundown and into the night and treating one another less than we ought to treat one another in order that we might be able to insulate ourselves against death. Oh, but when we lift our eyes from the things of this world and to be able to see what God has done, what a fantastic thing it is and what a fantastic life it brings. Oh, it's interesting to see how we go about this business of our frustration of this hour. Instead of lifting our minds and our heart to the place of where something can be done about it, somehow or another you can hear it said even today, well, if we just could roll the clock back 20 years, things would be different. Well, beloved, it's not going to happen. The clock's not going to be turned back. We're not going to go back to a previous existence that we've had within our society. It will never be. Mark it up. It's gone forever. And quicker we can sit, the better off that we're going to be. Beloved, this church will never be what it was 15 years ago any more than I'm going to be what I was 15 years ago. It cannot be signed, sealed, delivered, and locked with God forever. The confusion of our society the frustration of our age that we get involved in. This man doesn't have a half a dozen answers for our dilemma. He only has one. And the one that he found, and the one that I share with you this morning, is simply this. When he looked at the reality of the situation and saw it in all of its greatness or all of its ugliness, there's only one answer, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, beloved, you expected me to say that, didn't you? The answer to your dilemma is the Lord Jesus Christ. He came in order that you might be freed of your frustration. I read and looking this scripture up, I pulled out some of the old books that I have and I wanted to see what some other men had to say about this fantastic word that this man had to give to us as we find here in the book of Hebrews, the second chapter. And I was just amazed to find the man that had written an account of this and what he thought about it to some, some 30 years ago. He had this statement to me. He said, Jesus died to free man of his frustrations. Jesus died in order to free man of his frustrations. Beloved, I'll tell you, it is so. It is here as this man has discovered, and it's the only place within our society that you're going to find it, within the world that you're going to find it, when you lift your eyes above the things of this world, if you continue to look at man to try to find the answer locked within him, you're going to be frustrated and confused as this man claims that he was. But when he begins to look at the state of man that God had intended when he called him into existence, it is here that he found the answer to life. And beloved, I'll tell you that it is the same place today as it was 2,000 years ago. To find the answer, I will put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, beloved, I say to my soul, as I try to speak to yours this morning, let us be finished then with this business of trying to find excuses for us not being what we ought to be. Let us stop this business of trying to placate the, the life in which we live and, and the, the environment of where we are and, and try to reason our way as to why things are. 
let us come to the place as this man. Oh, what an honest man he was. I don't know how long he had lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know whether he, he had met the Lord Jesus Christ not in a physical way here upon this earth. But oh, his honesty is devastating. Calling his soul again to look to the place and that you were created. Look to the one that created you. Take your reading from him as the type of person that you ought to be and that you should be. And take your reading here as to how you are to walk upon the face of this earth. Take your reading from here as to how you are to treat your fellow man. Take your reading from here, so, and know that as you look to God, the one that has created you, that he did not make a mistake in his creation, and he doesn't create anything evil or bad, that he doesn't create anything small in this sense. He has created you a great soul in his own image to think his thoughts, to live his way, and to walk in his footsteps. O oh, our Father, then give to us that portion of thy spirit that we need in order that all of us may attain to that which God intended for us to have, for us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.